Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. I have a very, very special guest this week, Rebecca Heron. She is a writer, producer, and director, and I'm going to get emotional. She is the reason that I have the acting career that I have today, and I am not exaggerating at all, at all. She truly is. We talk about this a lot in the industry, about how we as actors feel that, oh, if someone would just give us a chance, we can show what we got. Rebecca and her producing partner, Trish, are those people in my life. They gave me a chance when I had barely any experience. Uh, They allowed me to get my first union credit, my first speaking role in a film. We became friends at that shooting of that film when I was like, I need these two powerful, incredible women in my life. I basically stalked them. (laughs) And ever since, we have become friends and they, oh, I don't want to get emotional, constantly think of me and recommend me for roles that they're filming up in the Sioux and up in the North. And I've had the incredible honor and opportunity to be a part of many of Rebecca's projects. She is just the absolute freaking queen. And I love her so much. That's my story with Rebecca. But the important thing that we're going to chat about today on this episode is her story, how she got to where she is today, basically revolutionizing the Northern Ontario film industry, the Sault Ste. Marie film industry. Please enjoy, don't cry, Janet. Please enjoy the woman who has been the most influential person in my career, Rebecca Heron. Tell me your story. How did you become a producer and director? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, well, I mean, this industry has always kind of, like, been poking at me, I guess you could say, uh, ever since I was a little kid. My first ever experience on TV was when I was eight years old um, on a very weird kid's TV show called Teletale Town. <laughs> which I think was like on YTV when we were young. Um, They came to town. They needed kids during the summer. My teacher uh, in elementary, she was like telling my mom, you have to get Rebecca on the show. She's such a good little actor, blah, 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 blah. So my mom signed me up without really my permission. And uh, I just remember hating it. I remember hating it so much because I was like a super tomboy and like, I wanted to be outside all the time and being on that show meant being in a trailer and waiting all hours of the day until your turn and then going on set and, you know, doing your thing and then going back in the trailer and having a cookie. Like it just was like not my jam. Um, And then I was like, okay, this is stupid. So I'm, I left like that world behind. I, I thought, um, and 
I focus myself on like learning languages and learning music. And in high school, I was in honors, you know, languages and band and, you know, traveling with music and stuff like that. Um, and that was my goal. Like I wanted to be an interpreter and I wanted to be in like the university band. Um, and then I was 15 and I got hit by a car walking to school one day and everything changed. Like, and I, um, was, you know, had a big head trauma and like, I had to kind of learn how to walk again. And like, it was just a whole thing. I lost a good part of my like teenage years, just trying to like reacquaint myself with like memory and learning and all of that again. And, um, I was, you know, on a path to, you know, graduate without needing a lot of courses left. And so I had some like spare blocks in my, <laughs> in my, uh, curriculum and my, the principal refused to let me have more than one spare, which was annoying. So I had to take a class and, um, and my friend suggested film and TV because it was easy and the teacher kind of just let you do your own thing. And then you could either make videos or just, you know, F off. And so I was like, okay, let's do that. And then it ended up being that I enjoyed doing that. And I never like skipped. We always were like out making content and editing it. And back then our editing like system was like tape to tape. So we would like film and then ingest our like VHS tapes or mini DV tapes into a system and then edit in this like old archaic system and then ingest out tapes and then play it. Right. So it was like learning kind of analog style, which was pretty cool. And then um, from there, I got a scholarship to go to film school um, in your neck of the woods, actually in North Van. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's kind of it. I like went to film school right out of high school. I was like 17, graduated when I was 19 and, and then been working in the industry since, you know? Um, and for me producing, I like being, um, at the very beginning and all the way to the very end. I like to see a project like kind of all the way through. It's because that's when you, um, see the different iterations of a project, right? Cause the first time you see a story, it's written, then you see the director's vision, then you get to post and you have a whole new like version of the film. So it's kind of interesting to see it as it all the way goes. Um, and I worked a lot in like reality TV, factual TV. So in those cases, post-production is everything. Whereas in sort of drama and comedy, it's not always the, the savior per se. Yeah. So, yeah. And then directing, I, uh, I did a bunch of directing when I was, fresh out of film school and and then I kind of took a seat back and focused a lot on producing and then it's only in the last like year or so that I've been really looking at directing again. When you were younger was there ever a moment when somebody said yeah you're really creative you know you're this good little actor like you uh, your teacher had said and then somebody said yeah, that's great, but that's not a logical career choice. Like you need to go become like a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer. Oh yeah. 
My dad was very much wanted me to be a nurse. He thought I would have the best bedside manner, which I think is hilarious because I don't think I would at all. Uh, I'm way too like straightforward with people. Um, but my mom was very much um, try to do what you love because she took a job that she did just to pay the bills and she regrets it to this day. And um, so she didn't want me or my brother to end up like that, just going to work to pay the bills and not having a joyful work experience. Tell me about the film school that you went to. Was it like, I've heard from people about people who go to theater school and film school for acting. You went for what? Like, was it a producer stream? What is it a director stream? Like, how does that work? So I went to Kaplan of U. Well, it was college before it was university when I went. And it, they had a three-year um, diploma program for film. And so each year we kind of like, fo- like you got more focused as you went. But it was open to people who wanted to be DOPs, people who wanted to be directors and producers and sound and post. So they really tried to create more well-rounded students um, and they forced you to do other jobs. Like if I wanted to direct, well, I also had to be a grip on someone else's project or do sound on another person's project or write. So they really wanted you to learn everything so that you got an understanding of what it actually takes to make a movie. Um, We had like weekend courses where um, a professional first AD and a sound person and a camera person would come in and you'd do a workshop and you'd have to learn how a set works properly and how to manage that and what the right calls were. And, you know, so they really took on set experience um, to heart in that school, which I think a lot of film schools don't actually teach their students as much, um, which is kind of a shame. Um, like I find like a lot of schools um, working with students now, they focus a lot on directing um, and writing, but they don't necessarily focus on onset life or post life or um, which is a little bit uh, unfortunate because as a PA, when you go to set for your first day ever, you're already like got a boatload of anxiety around you. And now you're, you know, kind of guessing like, well, what does that word mean? And what does this word mean? And what do I do here? And so I found like film school for me was able to do that because we kind of were taught to create a, a real set experience on our sets while making films. So um, that helped a lot. Um, that program has now changed and it's now a bachelor program. So I'm not sure exactly what the aesthetic is like now. But for me, when I was there, it was super helpful because we had several different courses on different um, different aspects of filmmaking. So we had like business class, we had post class, we had post sound, we had writing, we had directing, we had um, art department stuff, like grip and lighting. Like it really gave you the full kind of gamut of what the industry is like. And then it also had programs that worked together. So we had there was an acting program for TV and film. So we often cast those actors in our projects. So we got to like collaborate with actors who were trained in film and TV too. So it was great. And then we also had the wardrobe department. Um, so we had costumers coming on our sets and doing the wardrobe and 
and we worked with the DOP students and, you know, so it was, it was really fun experience to kind of like work with other specialty programs all to kind of together. Yeah. But I just remember like having no life. Like it was just like all film all the time. Like I, I lived there basically, even though I didn't live there to, on paper, you know, it was like slept at the school, under tables, on tables, on couches, like at the computer, just like <laughs> all the time there. When you graduate, what happens? Like, do you have, is there like an internship that you do or like, how do you find work? Um, yeah, I, I got fortunate enough that I was able to take an internship at a production company um, in Vancouver. And, you know, I learned a lot about the behind the scenes of producing and, you know, the development work that goes into it and the production work that goes into it. And, you know, I, um, I think if I hadn't gone to film school, I wouldn't have got that internship either because they, you know, there is a good, there was a really good um, kind of relationship that the company had with the film school and so like they were used to getting interns and so um, I kind of put my name in the ring and a couple other people did and we all had to like interview and like that you know that kind of thing um, but I, I worked there for about a year and a half two years um, and just like tried to be a sponge and like soak up every information I like would you know talk they had in-house counsel, legal counsel. They had an in-house line producer. They had an in-house finance team. They had an in-house development team at the time. So I just kind of like would, you know, shadow and sit in and ask questions from everybody in those like departments, which was very helpful. And what brought you back to the Sioux? What brought you to the Sioux? Uh, my business partner brought me to the Sioux. We shot a, um, a web series called My Roommates and Escort. Um, the second season here in the Sioux because Trish is from the Sioux Um, and it worked out really well and I think at that time too I had been living in Toronto for a couple years and was missing like nature and water and like you know greenery and you don't really find that a lot in Toronto Um, unless you drive far Um, unless you drive to the Sioux (laughs) Yeah, yeah, or like, you know, you'd have to like, go to cottage country, essentially, right? So, um, whereas like, you know, you forget how lucky you are on the West Coast one, that's like, literally right outside your door. And uh, so, you know, we shot up here. And um, yeah, and I really liked it. And I and I could see like the potential of the of the city. And, you know, there had been few films that shoot in the Sioux every year so there was like some crew here and there was a film school here and there was a writing program at the university and so there was some infrastructure that was like already laid in the city and you know they were actively looking to like grow the film industry and so you know we shot the project we went home we decided let's open a company you know and let's develop projects and you know that we want to make and you know and because it's possible to do that in the zoo it's easier it seemed like and um you know and we we had been developing projects and you know working in toronto doing that and balancing day jobs and and everything and then the pandemic happened and then (laughs) you know and that was uh 
it was a great push actually because then we both moved to the Sioux. Um, you know, I ended up buying a house and now we have a commercial building that we're out of now. And so like it, it's actually a lot easier to get things done. I feel like in the Sioux than it is Toronto. So that's been a big blessing. Um, you know, and we've been shooting things over COVID and, you know, and we opened a film festival. So it's been really nice to like be here and like see community growth like happen in a faster way than I think in Toronto would happen. Why do you think that is? Why is it faster? I, I think like a, there's not a lot of bureaucracy here. Like, um, and B like, um, costs are lower and, you know, and it's a smaller community. So, you know, instead of the millions of people in Toronto, there's, you know, less than a hundred thousand people here. So it's a little bit easier to talk to your neighbors or talk to people at the city or talk to these grant people or, you know, or go talk at the college. Like there's not a lot of pushback, I guess, in that, in that way that there is in like Toronto. Yeah. I remember, I remember chatting with both like Trish as well as two other producers in they're based in Portland, but shot a movie in a tiny wee town in the States for that exact reason, because they could find community of people who wanted to help. And I know Trish was saying that, you know, chatting with people within your community saying, Hey, do you will have, I don't know, a type of car that we want for this movie, want it to be in a movie. And people are so much more interested because it's more rare. Right. It's not like, yeah, where it's like, oh, yeah, you're filming again on the street. What a nuisance where this is probably exciting. Yeah. And I think also like in Toronto, it's become such a a money making machine now that like um, for indie indie filmmakers, it's a lot harder. Right. Because if you want to film at a park, you need insurance and you need a permit and you need this. And it costs you a lot more than, let's say, a smaller town does where you know, if you shoot in a smaller town, you're probably going to be able to talk to the city about the permit and you're going to be able to get help like with what you need at the park and the costs are going to be a lot lower. And so it does, it does help. I mean, there's pros and cons like from the big city to the small city, right? Like we don't have the same number of crew here that we, they do in Toronto, right? Like if someone is sick one day, it's a lot harder for us to replace them than it is in Toronto. Um, but, but you kind of have to outweigh those things and also think about, I guess, what your, your long-term goals are when like going to the smaller city. So you establish 180 Sisterhood in the Sioux reproduction company. Take me through like a typical day in the life of a producer? <laughs> Gosh. Uh, I feel like that depends on where you're at <laughs> on a project. Because, uh, I mean, typically uh, we come into the office and we're working on grant projects and um, developing projects and writing projects and figuring out all that. And then once a project is greenlit, then that changes everything, right? Then you're into pre-production and you, you're assembling a team and you're casting and you're location scouting and, you know, you're figuring out 
you know, what decade your project is set in and are there visual effects and what's your post plan and who you're delivering to, when's your deadline. And, you know, so it kind of like ramps up really fast for a period of time, you know, and then post happens and then that's a whole different type of world too, where, um, you know, if you're the producer, then you're waiting for the, you know, the editor's cut, then the director's cut, then it's your turn and you get to, you know, view your cut and, um, and then, you know, you're, meanwhile, you're sending it off to the distributor or broadcaster or platform to get their opinion and notes and you're incorporating those notes or not. I mean, it really depends on, on the relationship and, um, and what kind of notes they are, I guess, in, in terms of that from the distributor, um, you know, and then you're delivering. So, and then you repeat the whole cycle again, <laughs> or, you know, or you're doing, you know, or it depends, you could be doing a series. So then you're doing that, but times 13 episodes or 10 episodes or 52 episodes. And, you know, then those schedules are on a shorter, um, shorter I, I guess and like your 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 weeks are then drastically changing and you're not getting sleep and you know because um, on series you're you know you're maybe delivering one episode that week but also shooting an episode but writing an episode in the same week and you know it's all those ones <laughs> those ones are a lot of <laughs> A lot more stressful, for sure. So it's interesting because most of the people who listen to this show are actors, but most of those actors are people who didn't go to theater school, right? They're coming at this from a completely different career path and are now attempting to be actors. And so I'll use myself as an example, not knowing what a producer does at all until chatting with yourself and with Trish and learning kind of the behind the scenes so tell me your experience. I don't mean this in like a negative way. Tell me about actors. Like how do they fit into this massive project? Because I know actors, guilty, tend to think of like, we're the most important thing. But there's so much going on as you just explained. So tell me about how actors can fit. How do they fit into all of this? Well, I mean, there are... A few kind of segments, I guess you could say, how actors fit, right? So um, once the script is written and once you've got your creative team, then you go into the casting position, which is like what most actors think is like the main starting point, um, which it is. But sometimes, you know, you have people on your creative team who have already precast in their head people, right? So sometimes you go and you offer people roles, but you know, these are usually the, the more A-list, B-list celebrities. Um, and then you get into the main casting process and that, you know, that can take weeks, months. It depends on how much time you have and your money and your schedule and, you know, how organized you are. Um, you know, and you end up casting everybody, you know, from the one bit part line to the person who might be driving a car to the stunt person to you know, to the lead actor, all of that gets cast. There's, you know, usually doing background, there's usually a background coordinator who will actually, um, depending on the level of the feature, you'll get selects. So the director uh, may want certain type of background. 
So the background um, coordinator's job is to go and find those people, bring them to the director for selections, and then they'll hire people. And they might even call those people in. You don't know. Like it really depends on the 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 length and the vision of the project. Um, like I remember being a background coordinator on a project, and the director was very picky about who they wanted in what scene and what they needed to look like and what they couldn't be. And so we went back and forth a lot, actually, just on people's pictures, trying to like um, cast and and then availability is the other thing, right? So which is always the ever-changing <laughs> ever thing in the industry. Um, so, yeah, so then everyone's cast, actors do their thing on set, um, and then, you know, then you start editing. But then, let's say the sound wasn't good that day, and you need to go back into post, and you need to bring the actor in, and they got to do ADR. Um, so now, you know, some actors, they get to come into post post houses and record audio and match literally their lips to, <laughs> um, to nicer audio. Um, and, you know, and then that happens and then, you know, you finish the movie and maybe through all of that too, you, you're, you've got a marketing team who's putting together posters and social media and press kits and all of that stuff. And then you have, the premiere. So usually you're, some of those actors come to the premiere and or festivals and, you know, it really depends on, on that. So the actors got, can have a long time frame, and some actors even come in during like pre-production and do some writing with the director or they rehearse scenes or, um, you know, or there's an, or there's like, let's say for example, like Wednesday right now, that actor, she had to learn how to play the cello. She had to learn how to fence. Like that's all pre-production stuff that you now have to think about and train. And, you know, that's not just, and production, like we'll set up time for that and we'll make sure that happens and, you know, and puts aside time so that she's does her scenes and then she goes and practices the cello for two hours. You know, that's, so it's a lot of, parts actually that get like scheduled and planned by other people <laughs> but that's basically the everything in the industry so casting is something that we are always asking about right because i mean it's literally the the crux of what we do as actors right it's our it's our job from your experience as both a producer and a director what have you seen from the casting side of things that can help you know, newer actors and anything that's kind of can make an actor stand out to you from the casting side of things in both your hats as a producer and a director? Uh, I mean, it's really about showing up, right? And putting it the work in every audition because we may not cast you this role. We may not cast you next role. But in the mind, if you are a standout person and you have a personality and you're a kind person and you know, and you show up and you do the work, we're going to remember that down the road. And down the road, we might have a part that's perfect for you or we might write a part that's perfect for you and then we cast you, right? Like on Armchair, um, my two leads, I know, I didn't even really audition them. I knew that I wanted them based on a short film I saw and meeting them in person at a film festival. And seeing their chemistry together. So like 
that can happen. It's not always the case, but you know, it's also part of the the job, right? It's like going to those functions, even if you don't want to, meeting the people, meeting new people, <laughs> you know, um, and then always practicing the muscle, right? Like a writer should be writing all the time if they want to, if that's what they want to pursue. A director should be directing all the time if that's what they want to do. An actor should be acting all the time, even if it's just sketches or, um, or you know, theater or something, or even just in your home, you've got to be practicing the muscle, right? The That's, I think, what people forget. They think, oh, it's just easy. You just show up and do. It's like, no, you got to practice it. It takes time and it takes a lot of effort. Like, you know, we look at people like Morgan Freeman and um, Helen Mirren and stuff. Like, they're pros, yes, but they also took time to perfect their craft and they're still perfecting their craft and they will probably never say that they're done because you can't ever really be done, (laughs) you know, which is kind of hard to say, but it's true. Um, You know, and you just got to keep pushing because the weird thing too about this industry as is trends change very fast and quite often. And so, you know, to, today's trend could be blonde girls tomorrow could be brunettes then it could be redheads like we do this we have this weird cyclical thing where we we're always changing what we're looking for and or what's new or what's or let's you know it's the same in fashion right like now we're in 90s fashion but you know maybe like three years ago we were we were you know we were in like 70s or 60s right like it always changes um so that's another thing to think about it's like Yes, maybe you're not getting booking as much now, but maybe in the next two years you might be or, you know, it's, and that's the scary part, I think, about acting. It's funny. I, I've been thinking about this a lot about the motto of Survivor, the television show. Uh, you know, I don't think and how it relates to acting. Like, I don't think I need to outwit or outplay people. I just need to outlast them. Because it's, I think if you can just like, honestly, yeah, of course you have to keep training. Yeah. But if you can just outlast people and just be like still here, hi, and casting goes, oh my God, she's still here. Cool. Right. I honestly think that's what it is. Like if you're still enjoying it, just stick it out. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part about the industry is sticking it out because there's so many times in everyone's career where, you know, you are jobless for a while and you don't know what's next because you can't predict the future it gets scary and we've all kind of been there um but you just have to stick it out because eventually the things that you love doing are going to happen and they may be on smaller shows they may be on bigger shows but it doesn't matter because if you actually do like the craft it you're still going to enjoy the work you do big or small i think that's so key do you have any advice for anyone who's kind of in that well, we're all kind of in that lull period, right? Like it's, this is the lull period in Eastern Canada for filming. Do you have any advice for not just actors, but for, you know, producers, directors, the gig economy? I don't like using the word hustle, but I think the main thing is just continuing to make content. Um, You know, it's so much easier these days, you know, cell phones have evolved so much. Digital 
cameras have evolved so much that you it really doesn't take a lot to invest in making content and putting it out there now. Like TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and Twitch and like all these things are easy to, you know, put your content out there. You just need maybe a couple friends in your community and you can make a whole bunch of things, you know, like, and again, it's about practicing the muscle, right? Like uh, we're planning to make some short films right before the Christmas break. And that's a, because we have downtime and B because we all want to keep practicing the muscle. Um, And then we'll have some content to put out next year. Right. So it's really about that. And, and the industry relies a lot on, um, social media to keep up to date with who's doing what. And so that's another thing to think about is, you know, I've, I did a sketch. Well, did you film it? No. Well, next time film it, maybe put it online, you know, do a story of it or a TikTok or a reel and people will start to see like, Oh, she's busy. They're doing things. People, unfortunately in this industry, when you're seem busy, that's when people want to hire you. Is there anything that actors can do to make your job easier? Well, I think coming in with ideas is always the fun part, right? Like this is such a collaborative industry that my idea of a character versus your idea of a character might be completely different. And then we come up and we meld them together and we make a new character or, um, you know, or just letting go sometimes I think as an actor is another way, right? Sometimes I've worked with folks who are so um, kind of blinded in a way that they like, they're like, they only see their character like this, but they don't realize that there's like this much to their character. So that's always something like, I think you got to be open about same as directors, like, and writers, they all, and DOPs, like we all have to be a bit more, I think, open to ideas and suggestions. I mean, obviously on the day, it's a lot harder because we have the time um, crunching down on us. But in pre-production, I think that's when we can kind of, you know, have these kind of conversations or, you know, and don't be afraid to, um, you know, like if you're a lead or a second lead, don't be afraid to reach out in prep, right? Like I find that sometimes uh, people are afraid. They're like, I don't want to bug you. You're so busy. It's like, yes, but you know, if you have questions about your character or backstory or, you know, how they dress and all those things, like that's important to know now and talk about now in pre-production than on the day. That's really great advice. Cause I think, again, we, we have this weird fear and I say we as like a global, we, right. Like not just actors, but reaching out, to people and asking questions because I don't know if there's a fear of maybe it's imposter syndrome, right? There's a fear of being like found out. Like if I ask this question, they're going to be like, wow, she's stupid. I didn't realize that before, which is false, right? It comes from nothing except for our ridiculous brains. But I think it's a, it's a huge deal because when those questions get asked, the project has to improve because now you've worked together and developed something. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes, you know, it's a question that then you're going to go back later as a director or a writer, you know, and look at and think, Hmm, 
does this make sense? Or should I change this? And if I change this, will this happen? And then it kind of just spirals some and mostly in a good way, right? Because some, you know, like, yeah. And I think that's what people forget is that this is a very collaborative industry. And oftentimes we forget that. And I think it's also because like we all have blinders on, right? Because we are like so busy and there's so many things that need to get done. And like you were saying, a time crunch is huge in a project like that, like, like you work on. So it's stressful. So people forget that they can kind of take a step, step back. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, you know, where I talked about practicing your craft, like that, those are the times when you can also try new things, right? That's the best time to try new things. Like, oh, I want to learn how to, I really like this shot. How did they make that shot? Well, can I recreate it in a different project? Do I have time to learn how to do that? Or you're like, oh, I really liked how that person, you know, move their hands in this scene or like, how can I do that? So then like write a character like that and figure out how to do that. And so those practice moments are kind of your time to try new things, which I, th- I don't think we give ourselves enough time to do that either because we are so busy and we get into the like, the repetitive mundane side of of the work that we forget that we should be playing too and and practicing new things and you know like I will say like actors are lucky in a way because you guys have classes that you can sign up to and go and go to whereas like we don't really have, on the behind the scenes side we don't really have classes in that kind of way where you get to play and work with other people um you know, our classes are usually like, let's make a short film. Those are our kind of version of a class. Whereas, you know, or it's like, as a producer, you're like, oh, I need to do a class on accounting. You know, it's like, those are not the same, this is the same kind of thing, right? Um, so I will say actors are lucky in that way where they can sign up for classes and try something new or, yeah, or like, you know, sketch classes are, I think are always good because um, I think people forget but comedy is harder than drama and um, and horror is harder than drama too. So it's, th- those are always the classes I see a lot of actors taking, which I think in terms and later it helps with performance. Right. Do you have anything you are looking forward to coming up? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm dabbling into animation direction um, and creating some animated projects and and some projects with puppets and and stuff and that's that's what I'm really excited about next year is that you know we're going to be able to develop some more projects like that and have some fun like um, you know and do like creative stuff within the team here and be more like our own thing so like service work is great, but <laughs> you know, it's not your own thing. So that's, I think what we're, I think that's mostly what I want to try and focus on next year too, is just developing our own stuff in house. Yeah. That's really exciting. And my next question was kind of more, tell me if you can, I don't know if there's anything under wraps about what's going on up in the Sioux with the film industry, with the film industry in the North and with 180. Like, what have you guys been up to? I mean, the northern industry is getting quite big. I think they just announced a new studio in Sudbury, which is pretty cool. Um, 
and I think that'll hopefully bring in some more projects up north. Um, with 180, we've got our shorts, and you know we have a couple projects that uh, we're trying to get off the ground that are more of our our own projects. One that Trish Crow wrote, which is a drama, coming of age drama, which you know is a it's a really beautiful story and. Um, definitely we all kind of are close to in our own ways just with dealing with grief so um, I'm really hoping that we can try and get that project funded next year um, yeah and then other than that we've just been moving into our space and <laughs> and organizing the space and we're in post on armchair so that'll be still happening next year you had mentioned your mom and dad earlier on how would your, not just mom and dad, but your loved ones, friend circle, how do they describe what you do for a living? Oh man, I don't even know. Well, a lot of my friend circle are film people. So I feel like they <laughs> can easily describe that. But for non-film people, I don't know. I don't know how my mom would describe that. I guess just a general entrepreneur probably. because I'm often that's like the biggest thing you do as a producer is you're always creating new businesses and new business plans and for every project, basically. Do you have any final words of wisdom or advice? I mean, something, you know, that was kind of told to me when I was younger as a filmmaker was that if you don't practice, you can't be better. Um, and so that is, I've always kind of taken that to heart and, um, as well, I've always tried to learn other people's jobs in the industry. Mm. So um, I think that's something that also everyone should do at least once. You know, you should, you know, be a PA. You should work on ca- work in the camera team. You should work in the grip team, the lighting team, the sound team, wardrobe, visual effects, post production, acting. Um, you should try it all of the departments at least once it doesn't have to be on a big show it can be on a small show um but knowing how each department works is going to change how you work too Mm. and it's going to give you a different perspective on how and what what everybody needs um i think that's the one thing that i that i did early on in my career that i'm very thankful that i did because as a producer it's allowed me to understand um, the nitty gritty of departments, also the, (laughs) uh, what can be done with, with less and also what's often bullshitted (laughs) to a producer, you know? So, um, so I, I, you know, it's, it's, but I think everybody in the industry should, should play in each other's playgrounds, you know, because, it'll give everybody a different perspective and it'll, I think also help people stop um, treating other departments poorly because there's a lot of that that happens too. Right. Um, And I think if they see how much work goes into that department versus their department and you know, like, yes, grips and electrics, they carry heavy equipment, but which is tough and, you know, it's stressful and hurts your body but then you also have 
you know, the other side of it, where you have other departments who are literally making sure that the numbers match and that they don't mess up someone's payroll or that, you know, that, you know, they have to put a wig on someone and, 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 you know, and then they have to go to processing and all of that they have to do in a certain amount of time. And that's also stressful. So like, I think people forget the amount of stress that every department is on, not just theirs. I have one more question. Do you have a favorite moment on set or favorite moment in your career so far? I don't, you know what? I don't actually think of them as like, as favorites per se. I don't know. There's stories for sure, but I don't think I have like a favorite yet. I will say this, that when we were shooting armchair, uh, I am actually acting in it. Uh, and my scene was, scheduled uh during the last week and we had had great weather the whole shoot and we were shooting in the summer and of course the one day we're supposed to be shooting my scene which is also near the end of the movie it rains pouring rain like torrential rain and um you know and at that point i don't know if i'm gonna have time in the schedule to reshoot or whatever so we all like sucked it up and shot the scene in the rain um and I was like so upset I was like this is the this is not how I envisioned the scene like I might have to now go and rewrite some shit like you know just like a whole bunch of stuff um but we did it and like you know and then the last day was our like big party scene and I was talking to the DP and you know, we have both seen the dailies for that rain day and we both were like, it's not so good. <laughs> like, And so we figured out a way to shoot the party scene in like way less time so that we could reshoot the ending the way we both wanted to shoot it. So that was that was pretty lucky. So we got we lucked out that way. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, it probably still would have worked out fine. It would just would have been a different kind of ending in the rain. But I'm happy we were able to like figure it out and reshoot it. The whole like you have you have to be so flexible. Hey, like just it's like relinquish control because you have literally no control over the weather. You can't do anything about it. We can't. And like you know, bless the G and E team. They like put up this giant silk and you know, and they're trying to like cover us from the rain a little bit. But it's like the all the way around it's like wet and like you know the scene is actually supposed to be shot not in the rain and you know so, <laughs> so we're trying our best and you know but we you know so now we have two versions of that scene <laughs> but but the the non-rain scene is way better in my opinion and it also was kind of it was also kind of great in a way because then I got to do a second take right like I was so nervous acting in that scene because I haven't like properly done that in ages and so by the time we like we we did it in the rain I'm like okay we got it over with I'm like I have no idea what I look like <laughs> just like <laughs> you know and then watch the dailies and I'm like okay and then we got to do it again and I think you know the, my acting for sure got better because I wasn't as stressed anymore 
as well right so like it was just like I got like a second chance at at doing that scene again which was really nice can I ask how do you direct yourself I honestly was lucky and I had a a DOP who you know who we've been working together for a while and we know each other outside of work a little bit so um it was really much a like in my head who is this character and I just tried to like, you know, take all of those like small acting class moments that I know and uh, and just like be in the moment and like be with my acting partner. And then we would do a take and then I would ask the DP, how was it? You know, so it was I was more relying on the DP's eyes and then the feeling to to like get that scene done. Somebody directing themselves. I had this weird like vision in my head of like you do your acting thing and then you kind of like yell cut to yourself and then you like run and look at the monitor and watch it back. Is that what you, was that what you would do or were you more the trust that you had in your DOP? So we were also under a time crunch. We were shooting that scene um, at golden hour. So we only had like, uh, like an, uh, like an hour ish to shoot it. So I didn't have time to watch playback. Usually you'd act, yell cut, then you'd go to the monitor, you'd watch playback, then you'd like fix and go. But I, we didn't have time for playback. Uh, so I just trusted the DP and the scripty. That was, that was it. And I just trusted the, you know, the gut of the scene, really. That's really great. I think, you know, the biggest thing I find with, I mean, everyone I've talked to, especially people like yourself who are kind of the industry guests that I chat with, the the common vein throughout everything is finding the community of people that you can trust. And do you have just, again, I keep saying this is my last question. This would be my last question. Do you have any advice or like, how do you find that community? How do you build that community, especially when you come from a non-theater school background, so you don't have a community already? But you do have a community. Every class you take with somebody, every project you work on, that's you building your community. Every networking event you go to, that's building a community. All of those things add up to your community, right? Like, for example, in our office situation, Trisha and I met through a friend. You know, that was through the community. Um, Parth and Joseph, we met through Sioux College and... You know, we bonded and now, you know, we have this working relationship. So it all, it all ends up coming around. Like every job you have, you slowly build your community through those jobs. Every networking event, same thing. And that's why I say like when you go and you practice and you play on these smaller projects, that's when you get to see, is that person fitting in with my aesthetic? Is our do we work well? Do we want to continue to work well together? Or, nah, we didn't really gel. So I like them, but they're not, like, in my core group, you know? Like, we met you on a Christmas letter. You know, that was like you were there for one day. <laughs> and then I stalked you. I was like, I like them so much. <laughs> no, but, like, you were in for one day. And when you wrapped, you came, you found us, you did your thing, and you, you know, you chatted with us, right? Like, not everybody does that. We had actors on that show that 
came for their one day and then they left. They didn't say hi, bye to us, really. We were producing, you know, but you came, you said hi, bye, you know, and you kept in touch after that, right? Like, that's the difference, right? You got to, it's the same thing. You've got to put work into the relationship, just like work into your career. It goes, and that's just like everybody. It goes both ways, right? So, but yeah, every networking event, every job, every audition, every theater performance, every podcast, like, yeah, all of those people end up being, could be in your network, in your, your community. And then it's just a matter of like, you know, figuring out who are the good ones and who are, who are not the good ones, you know, which takes time, right? Like, you know, some people can long con you and some people, you know, right away, like, I can't, I can't trust that person, you know, you just know in your gut, right? Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Rebecca, for being my guest this week. Thank you so much. Thank you does not seem like a big enough word. Thank you so much for sharing your time, sharing your story, and most of all, being such an advocate for the Northern Ontario film community, Northern Ontario actors, and just, you know, beginning actors, second act actors in general. You are an absolute freaking queen and powerhouse, and I'm so privileged and honored to know you. Ah, I'm getting emotional again. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And I hope you will join me next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!